Welcome back for another episode of Transform Your Workplace. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. The demands of HR and payroll are endless. And that's why Zenium provides a complete solution for both so that you can focus on what you do best, which is growing your organization. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution at zeniumhr.com. All right, today's guest is a returning guest, actually. Mallory Nicole, she's a transformational executive coach. Today, we're discussing the challenges that today's leaders face in achieving business success. We highlight the current challenges that leaders are facing. We talk about how to scale a business, talk about the pandemic and how that's forced new ways of connecting and belonging and inclusion inside of organizations. We're talking about how that feeling we get when we're stuck, how do we get out of that? And lastly, we're talking about what top performing executives and leaders, how they manage all of the things that are thrown their way. So we're going to unpack a lot in this episode. I had a really good conversation with Mallory and I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoyed the conversation today with Mallory and you're a new listener, please hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. And if you'd be so kind to give us a rating and review, that'd be amazing as well. And of course, share it with friends or a colleague, anybody who can get value from this podcast. We're out transforming workplaces in a positive way. And thank you for being part of the solution. Enjoy the conversation with Mallory and Nicole. It's good to have you back on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I feel like you're a familiar person, even though we've only done this one time. It feels like we've done it multiple times. So I've been looking forward to jumping back on and, and doing a round two with you. We'll just pick up right where we left off. <laughs> so you do, you work with a lot of like CEO level people. I haven't talked to you since, I think it was before the pandemic happened. Lots changed. I mean, a little bit has changed. <laughs> so no, really, a lot has changed. <laughs> a lot's changed. There's the technology. Especially in the workplace. Right. There's so much that's changed. The workplace, the people, technology, all of it. Business models, like everything. So in your experience, when you're talking to DC level leaders, owners of companies, people leaders, what challenges are they facing right now? What's the thing that comes up for them over and over? That is a great question. I think the the pattern I've been noticing because I see things that happen like seasonally and in patterns. And the pattern that I've been noticing is something that I feel like I have been talking about for a long time, but I was like the black sheep, the uncool, like why does she keep talking about this topic? And now it's trending everywhere and everybody's talking about it and it's kind of exciting. And it's more about personal business alignment and are you creating a company that actually fulfills you and are you creating an environment in your workplace that you are excited about and proud of? So, you know, it's not necessarily that there's a bunch of people that want to scale their business back, but there are a lot of decisions being made to create more alignment and how structure is held within a company and what markets people want to work in, what problems people really want to solve. There's almost a radical honesty that wasn't there a few years ago with all of these 
interpersonal questions that relate to how somebody owns and operates a company. Are you finding the pain that some of these C-level folks are running into are people related? Is it scale problems? Is it is it both? Are they trying to figure out ways to simplify their business because it's too complicated? Like, what is it? That's also a great question. And I think <laughs> scale, I mean, I think you almost answered the question in asking the question, but I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have caught that. Scale literally is people. It's the development of people, but not everybody looks at it that way. When you think about scaling a company, you think about a business entity that exists outside of like your mind or, or, or what you're conceptualizing. But when you really look at the nitty gritty of it, it's just a bunch of people doing their jobs, right? So I think there's always people that are dealing with scaling issues, but how many of those people are really aware that it's actually a people issue that they're experiencing? Especially when you're looking at going from a company that's got 20 to 30 employees and you're hitting 50 to 60, there's a whole lot of communication and really internal organization and internal communication that has to happen in order for that to go in a fluid way. Is it Metcalf's law? It's like the network effect of like when you have more people, it becomes really complicated to then now communicate. Like if you have a big team, it's just, it's hard to simplify unless you really get clear about the team size, the ways in which you're communicating, and of course, using the correct tools. And if you don't figure that out as a leader, it gets really complicated. And that's probably where the overwhelm that some of these leaders feel is their systems aren't scaled. They haven't simplified their processes. Are you hearing that from leaders or have they figured it out? Mm, yes. No, I mean, I'm still, I still hear that all the time. I hear it every day. And then there's also, I think another layer that has opened up since you and I talked a few years ago is, you know, now there's, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure for CEOs to create an environment that fills people's purpose need that they have in their life that, you know, maybe pre pandemic, that wasn't necessarily there. But people don't just want a place to work anymore. They want a place where they feel connected. They want a place where they feel like they have autonomy of creativity. They want a place where they feel like they can make decisions, where they're not being micromanaged. And when you really start looking at the culture that people are craving, there's a lot of dismantling that has to happen if you don't have a company that operates that way now. And that's not to say, like, here's the thing, Brandon, I'm, I'm not all like, everybody needs to do it this way because to some degree, if, if you're a CEO and you know that's not what you want to build, I'm more of the camp of like, well, the more honest you are with yourself, the better your work environment's going to be because just running the game that you want to run is better for everyone. Being somebody that you're not doesn't ever work. But as far as majority is concerned, people want a place where they can thrive, not just work. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And it's it's interesting because like when you're talking about developing a culture that you know allows people to bring their whole selves to work and they want a career and they want purpose. They want to at least connect and align with the purpose of the organization. And for many leaders, they haven't been necessarily vulnerable and open and authentic. And it seems like to really create the culture where people can show up, be their whole selves, leaders have to do a little bit of introspection. And so when you're working with leaders, I bet you you're working on them first as a person before they can ever make any transformation in a culture. Yes, 
And I hear often that on a first initial conversation with someone or when a relationship is just starting to be built, the conversation looks a whole lot like, you know, I just can't get my team to perform better or I just can't get my business to do X, Y, Z. And it's always about the team or the business. And there's some beliefs that have to shift and some paradigms that have to change in order for you to get to the point where you can look at, well, hang on, who created the business? Who made the rules? Who hired the people? Who put everyone in the positions that they're in? If you remember, I'm not saying this to point fingers, it's actually a gift. If you remember that you have as much power as you do and you want to use it for good and you want to bring light to your company and you want to solve the problems that you think are creating chaos in the company right now, what would you do differently? Like if you saw yourself in the mirror and just said, okay, I have more power here than I'm allowing myself to see what might change versus my business has a bunch of problems because that really doesn't solve anything when we look at it from that perspective. Yeah, it seemed like the way you framed it up, it's more self-empowerment versus just looking at it from the organization as problems. That's kind of like a, I don't know, it's, pointing fingers, but it's not solution oriented. Like there's no, what are you going to do? There's no action to be taken other than if you actually self-reflect a little bit and empower yourself to make significant changes, that seems to be the path forward. Now I'm curious in the people that you've been talking to, do you ever hear the word, I feel stuck? Like I'm so busy or like there's probably all these buzzwords, but I've heard that word stuck a lot and I've used it myself and I feel stuck. Like I don't know a path forward. What do you encourage people to do when they feel stuck? I heard it two hours ago from someone that I just started working with that sent me a text message that was referencing something that he was feeling stuck about. What that always means in the case of a CEO, and I'm going to speak directly to CEOs for a second. What that always means in the case of a CEO is you forgot to give yourself permission to do something. Like you you just forgot that you have permission that you haven't given yourself in a while. Permission to change something that's no longer aligned with how you want to do the business, permission to let go of a part of the company, permission to make a pivot in a new market, whatever the permission is that you're looking for comes from that origin of I feel stuck. And really, if we take that away from CEOs for a second and we look at all of us, that also attributes to I feel stuck in my job. Well, where did you forget to give yourself permission that you can go get a new job. You can work for a different company. You can go do something else. You know, we're not trees. We get to move and we get to grow and we get to make decisions. And sometimes we paralyze ourselves from making new decisions because of the origin of fear of, well, what's the outcome going to look like and what's going to happen if it doesn't work out the way that I think it's going to happen and all of that. But in my opinion, I'd much rather take the risk and just see what's next than the pain of staying stuck for years and years and years and years and years and looking back and, and going, okay, I've chosen stuck for nine years because that's really painful. It might not be painful right now, but when you look back and it's been a decade that you've been stuck because you haven't taken the step, then it's really going to hurt. I'm reading this book right now called Buy Back Your Time. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yes, I recommend it to all of my clients. So it's yeah. I was reading in bed. I'm about halfway done with it. I was reading in bed last night and there was like, I'm trying to remember that there's layers to like when you buy back your time, it was like, get rid of the administration first. It seems like CEOs and leaders, they get so bogged down with making a thousand different decisions. And a lot of it's like responding to emails, my calendar's full and they have no time to think critically and make 
change that could affect their culture, the people that report to them, make a strategic business move, whatever it is. I mean, unpack that for me. And you've read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk to C-level people all the time. Is this a big problem? Yeah, it totally is. So I was talking to someone about that book and about their calendar a little over a week ago. And he pulled up his calendar for me and we're looking at what's on his calendar. And here's a prime example of how this plays out. Like what you're talking about, here's a real life example of it. We're looking at his calendar and he doesn't have a lot of white space on it. And he's got these reoccurring meetings that are still on his calendar. And he keeps saying, but I don't go to this one and I don't go to that one and I don't go to that one anymore. Why the hell is it on the calendar? Exactly. And that's my question to him. Okay, so why is it still on your calendar? It's still taking up your mental and energetic space because of some connection to control that you have over that thing that you haven't let go of it and trusted the team that's underneath you to handle it and take the initiative and let it be their baby. Like you got to just let it go. Are mistakes going to be made? Yeah, maybe. But give yourself that permission to receive the support. And that's one of the interpersonal things that I think happens with a lot of CEOs is there is massive growth that happens when you're, you know, the boss of five people. And then all of a sudden you're the boss of 50 people. And internally, you maybe don't see yourself as somebody who has created 50 jobs for people and the deservability that you have to receive the support that you do and to receive the genius from the team that you have created, like all of this stuff. And we could go, we could talk about this for days, but that's where some of like the interpersonal and the deeper work and who are you when you're allowing yourself to receive from other people really comes into play. Because what a lot of CEOs don't realize is they still have this pattern of overly being overly controlling, even though they don't think they're micromanaging their team and they're probably not energetically, they're not releasing things so that they can be in their zone. Because really the CEOs that I see that are happiest, that are the top performers, their job is to make the strategic decisions. It's not to look at the daily tasks. It's not to be involved in every single thing that's happening. The best CEOs can be really separated from what's happening. And that takes time. There's a process to get there. It's not that you just wipe your calendar away and remove yourself from everything. But their job is really to create leaders within the company. And then you've got a bunch of people that are highly developed and highly skilled. And you're not having to oversee a whole lot. You could take this next question in any direction you want. It's very broad. But with leadership, what doesn't get talked about enough? Like for if you really want to make a change as a a leader, it could be C-level person or manager level, whatever. What do we not talk about enough that could really make a, a lasting change in leadership? That is a good question, Brandon. There's like five ways that I want to answer this. It's like when you're talking to people and like maybe the same thing comes up over and over again, you're like, why have you not figured this out? And talk to those people who are just like, they're stuck. They're not getting out of their own way. Think about it from maybe from that perspective. I love it. The discomfort of emotions is one of the real skills that I think CEOs need to work on that will give them mental freedom, better performance, and better team culture. Like being okay with being uncomfortable with their emotions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what I hear a lot from people is there's leaders that think that they just make logical decisions. They're all strategy. They're all left brain thinkers. But what they don't realize is that most of the time, if somebody says that about themselves, what it means is I actually don't know how to move through EQ 
And so I deflect all of it. It doesn't actually mean that they're all logical and all strategic. It means that that muscle hasn't been built like a skill. And maybe you didn't need it when you were first starting out and you had a a few employees. But now that you have 50 to 100 to 200 employees that you're overseeing, that's like the biggest skill that moves the ship forward more than anything else. I always say like, unless you're organization is fully autonomous through machines or artificial intelligence or whatever, you're, you're doing work through people. Exactly. <laughs> so if, you, if you don't have the emotional intelligence to get stuff done through people, then you, you've got to work on that, that muscle. It, you can learn it. It is a skill. And that's why I use the word skill, because if you look at how you and I, our generation or generations above us were raised, we didn't go to EQ class. EQ class wasn't in high school. It wasn't something that our parents really talked about. You know, you look at social media now and reels and TikTok and emotional intelligence is like all over the place. It's like everywhere. (laughs) Right. But you don't, you, you and I weren't raised on that kind of environment. And that means that there are a lot of people our age. I have a lot of clients who are between the ages of 30 and 45 running teams And it is a skill. It's something that needs to be built. It's a muscle that needs to be built. And the more that CEOs can just look at themselves and know they don't have to be perfect with everything. They don't have to be these perfect people. The easier it is going to be for them to build the skills that they need and make really good strategic decisions to move the company forward. But when there is that story that they're telling themselves of, oh, I'm completely left brain. I only do strategy. Usually what it means is they're not actually addressing a lot of the things that need to be addressed because what's underneath that most of the time is I don't know how to face conflict because conflict makes me uncomfortable. But when you think about business growth, there's a lot of potential conflict that happens. So when you work on EQ, you're not afraid of conflict which means that then you're solving the problems the company really needs to solve, the important ones, the ones that need to be top priority. You're solving them so much more quickly than you would if that pattern of avoidance was there. When you're coaching leaders, how much time do you spend with them about putting their oxygen mask on first? You know, like clarity of mind, their well-being, energy management. Do you talk with them about that so they can show up and be the best leader possible? Yeah, it's threaded in everything. Because without that, you're still being reactive and you're in reactionary mode instead of being proactive. But usually what happens, Brandon, is there is a integrative period where when someone starts working with me, it's like, you know, if you think about a a fist that's clenched, how tight that probably feels, what starts to happen is every single week, the fist becomes unclenched over a series of time. And when your fist is unclenched, it feels a lot better and you can make better decisions, but it's a process. It doesn't all happen at the same time and it doesn't all happen at once, but everything that you're saying, sometimes there are deep stories that relate to why we have the energy or performance patterns that we have. And, and sometimes they're not, you know, it doesn't always go back to our belief system and our stories. Sometimes it's a skill that needs to be built. It's not all black and white, but it is a process that happens. Since you work with so many clients in a leadership capacity, a lot of C-level people, what comes to mind when you think of like transformations? Like they came to you with a problem or maybe they're feeling some sort of pain in their business or or their leadership capabilities. And maybe they saw some sort of transformation in in working with you. 
sort of stories come up for you? The word clarity comes up first because that's the one that I hear over and over and over again is I feel like I can see clearly now. Because sometimes people get into these positions in business specifically where they don't even know what problems they need to solve and they don't know why their business feels the way that it does, but they just know that something is off. They just know it. Like they can feel it in their body. They can feel it in their mind. They just know that something is off. And the biggest result that I think people get with me is they regain their power and they find their clarity. And those two things are... (laughs) What sort of of exercises do you go through to get to clarity? Like, do you ask a lot of questions? Do you have a whole framework around around that? I'm just You don't have to give away all your secrets, but I'm curious. Like, what's the path to clarity? I ask a lot of questions. A lot of questions. I also give strategic advice because I've seen, you know... If I can see something for someone that I think they might not see, I'm not going to hold back. So you could call me a coach. You could call me a consultant. Sometimes it floats back and forth. But asking questions is how we find clarity. And so the first thing that needs to happen with someone is if you have organizational issues and you know that something is misaligned, that's the word I would use, misaligned. You know, to somebody else, misaligned might not land with them. Maybe they feel like there's more stress than they want to be dealing with or something's just off. I encourage everybody and I tell everybody when we start working together, it's going to feel like for the next six weeks that I'm not focused on the business. But I promise you that in four to six weeks, you're going to start to see what really needs to change and why. But you might go through a period in this first little interim period with me where you're like, hang on, what are we doing? And it's going to build on itself because the personal performance piece of it is what created the company. So if we look at the behavioral patterns and the performance patterns, we can start to undo what's been done in the company that created the misalignment to begin with. And the other thing too is, I'll just add to that real quick. Sometimes I work with people that are in pretty deep levels of pain. Like they're like, I don't know who to help. I don't know if I'm supposed to go to my therapist and talk about this because I feel like I have performance issues in my company. Like, I don't know what to do here. On that same token, I also have people that are like, I need a coach and I don't need someone that's just going to help me think about marketing. I want someone more focused on performance. And it doesn't have to be these deep hurdles that we go through. It's more just optimizing and tweaking and looking at continuing to enhance. So there are different stages that people reach out and say like, I need a Mallory in my life. I heard you on on so-and-so or my friend told me about you, but when it is that my business really needs an overhaul, we work on the person first. I love that. So I want to talk about a few things that you're working on and then and then I'll let you go. You have a podcast. It's called the Abundantly Clear Podcast. It's a Forbes number one rated show. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. What are your, some of your favorite episodes? Why, well, actually, let's start with why did you even start the podcast in the first place? Like, was this a medium that you wanted to get into? And what's the theme of the show? Yeah, the themes actually changed. So that's a great question. Um, I started the podcast a few years ago because I was just kind of looking at like what marketing feels exciting to me. You know, you have to market in a business. There's things you just have to do. Clients aren't just going to like show up at your doorstep. And people come to me after they hear me talk about something. So they're not like going through some kind of Facebook ad, seeing a performance coach, or they're not like, you know, getting an ad on Google for my services or really when it comes to like SEO stuff, most people aren't 
searching for a transformational executive coach. Like that's just a term that they might not even know of until maybe they heard me on something. So podcasting felt like a natural step. It was like, okay, well, maybe if I talk about this thing that's important to me, I can start building relationships with people in that way. So for years, I did interview episodes. And then my audience started asking me to do more solo episodes. So now it's like really short and sweet. I do like eight to 10 minute solo episodes once a week and give people a topic that I know that my clients are either asking me in that week or it has come up in the past. And I do just a short episode on it and give people like some perspective shifts and paradigm shifts to help them with their performance and emotional agility and, you know, better workplace topics, stuff like that. What are some of your favorite episodes or topics that you like to talk about? I like talking, I like helping people understand what burnout really is. Because I think that burnout is a word that's used a lot these days. Loosely. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of different ways that people get to burnout. And my big thing that I want everybody to just remember and to know about life and business is that like you get to create the rules. And if the rules change for you at any time, if you decide I started something and I got eight years in and I wanted to change it up that's okay. Like there's nobody out there that's going to give you permission to do it more than just you giving yourself the permission to, to change whatever is next for you. And a lot of times, you know, going back to something you asked at the beginning, that stuckness comes from where am I not giving myself permission to be who I want to be and do the things that I want to do. So you're also working on a book. I am. And it's coming out in July. Mm -hmm. Give us a sneak peek of what there's not a lot of information out there about this, but Give us a little sneak peek of what, what's inside the book. What are you trying to accomplish? Are you, how are you trying to help people? When I looked at the amount of hours that I've spent coaching in the last six years, I was like, okay, that's a lot of hours. <laughs> but I don't have anything that really, other than the podcast, that explains to people this process that is... Sometimes I'm literally just an executive coach for people, but then sometimes I am like a deep transformational coach for people. And sometimes it comes together. And how do I really explain this in a way that somebody can have insights and go through their own process without having to use me as a client resource or work with me? What are some ways that I can tell people how to do that? And so looking at all of my clients' stories and looking at the journeys they've gone through, it came down to five principles. There's five things that I really touch on with each person that create the results that people get when they're working with me. So those five things are, it starts with identity. So it starts with who you are being. Then we look at vision, what you're building, what you're going after. Then we look at structure. Structure is all about habits and routines and scheduling and calendar stuff and really practical things. Then we look at boundaries. I do a whole big thing about boundaries because most of the time people think about boundaries just in terms of, you know, what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to? But there's layers there. There's more that we get into in the book when it comes to boundaries. And then also expression because expression is really a skill. Expression and communication are something that we learn and you could do all the mindset work in the world, but if you don't learn how to really communicate with people and how to say the things that you want to say in a way that you want it to be heard, you're missing a step. So communication and the word that I use for to represent communication is expression. Those are the five principles and it is all about how to make 
the decision every single day that's going to give you uh, a life and a business that you're happy about and that you go to bed at night happy about because there's a silent suffering that happens in the small business world of a lot of business owners and CEOs wishing they were doing things differently or wishing they built something different and having nobody to talk to about it and and not wanting to admit it because on paper everything looks really pretty and looks really nice. But I know that that happens. I know it's real after talking to so many people throughout the years. And it's just something I want to help more people with. When is it available for pre-order? That's a good question. <laughs> I've never sold a book before or written a book. So I, I don't know what the, what the process is. I mean, maybe you're still finishing it up. I have no idea, but... That's a good question. <laughs> I need to ask my team. <laughs> Talk about growth. Like it's growth in so many ways from the tactical to the logistical to the strategy, but also pulling IP out of me. That's just, you know, it's one thing to sit and ask someone questions. It's another thing to go, okay, what's the process that I actually take people through and what does this look like? So the the end of last year and the beginning of this year and even right now has just been massive growth for myself in trying to compile it all and put it all together. But I can tell you the first place to go is to get onto my email list because as soon as I have as soon as I have those, you know, funnels put up and those those pages, <laughs> those website pages built, that will be the first place that I share it. Awesome. We'll make sure to to link to it if you've got a, a place to subscribe to your email list. Mallory, I appreciate you for coming on. Anything you want to say and just parting, you know, put a bow on this conversation or, or even just like call to action for people? Um, let's see. The only other call to action other than, you know, jump on the email list because you're going to be able to hear the book that way. If you've listened to this and you're like, you know what, maybe I need some personal work. The first place to start is go to my website and there's a quiz and it's called, do I need an internal upgrade? Because CEOs at different stages of business need different upgrades as far as their personal performance and how it impacts decision-making and culture and company growth. So it's really easy. It's 10 questions. It's going to tell you. And yes, there is literally a result that says, no, you don't need one. It's not some kind of like, you know, <laughs> trying to mask the answers. Yes, there is literally a result that says, nope, you're good. Celebrating you. So yeah, I would start there. That sounds great. My guest today has been Mallory Nicole. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.